Bible study. Glad you're here. So we're going to take a moment and pray and then look into the Bible together. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the time together. Uh, we pray for your revelation. We ask God that you would speak tonight. We pray that we would have ears to hear and we have a heart that is soft and ready to receive what you want to plant. I just ask you, God, that we would receive of you tonight and that you would challenge us. I pray for an honest look on our part, uh, not only at you, but also at us, at ourselves. And I pray, Father, that we would respond to your word and we would respond to your challenge tonight. God, we give you thanks. I pray your peace. I pray your grace. And I pray your love to be all over what we do tonight. We're asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 6. If you need a Bible, they're available up here on the front table. Matthew chapter 6. I need a volunteer that would be willing to read verses 31, 32, and 33. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom, and grace. All these things all right, thanks for reading that. There's a warning here uh, that Jesus is giving to us. Uh, this is a word to the church. This is a word to believers, to disciples more specifically. And I thought it was kind of interesting that he, he takes some time to speak a word to us. A lot of times when you read in the New Testament, he is speaking to his disciples. Other times he's speaking to the Pharisees. Other times he's speaking to crowds of people. Um, but sometimes when he's speaking to his disciples, we need to take some note of that. Not that we're not taking note other times too, but I think there's a special note that we need to take because I think he shared with his disciples certain things that were common to us as people, common to believers, common to people that uh, maybe aren't struggling with some of the same things other people are struggling with, but have certain things that we need to be aware of and to remain aware of as we continue to grow in him. So he gives a warning to us. And uh, basically, what his warning was, is a warning against materialism, anxiety, worry, selfishness, distractions, preoccupations, stuff. Uh, it was just a, really just a word to make us aware, I think. A word to uh, cause us to think about our lives. Think about what we're reflecting through our lives. Because uh, I think some of us reflect uh, maybe something different than what we think we're reflecting. And and that includes just me, anybody, that we need to take a look at that and say, what am I reflecting? What does my life reveal? So I think it's really easy to get distracted from God's love. For whatever reason, we tend to major on other parts of God. We tend to think about God in certain ways that maybe we were taught when we were little that may or may not even be true. 
And so we get distracted from the truth, we get distracted from his love, we get distracted from his grace, we get distracted from his mercy, we get distracted from his forgiveness, we get distracted from him really wanting the best for us, and all the things we talk about a lot, but for some reason as humans we tend to get distracted from those things. And, and so we, we need to know that and, and focus, and think about refocusing. And putting ourselves in a position where we're reminded of those things and we're looking at those things on a regular basis so that the distractions don't come as frequently. So here's a few facts that Jesus shares in this passage or around this passage. Number one, material needs are met. That was a fact he shared. And then the second thing, number two he shared, is that spiritual needs are the most important and the priority in our lives. Let me say those again. Number one, first fact is material needs are met. See, you, you read what he said. It says, therefore, do not say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows you have need of them all. So what he's saying is that those things would be added to us and that those needs are met, material needs are met. The other fact is, though, that the spiritual needs that we have are the most important and need to be and should be the priority in our lives. Now, as somebody who came through a lot of church training uh, after the fact, I was already an adult when I became a Christian, and so I received a lot of my church training as an adult. And a lot of my church training had to do with uh, pastoring a church or being in ministry over, over a group of people or something like that. I was always taught that the opposite is the fact. In other words, when uh, I was being taught about how to minister to people, the way that we were taught to minister to people is if we need to meet the physical need first and then address the spiritual need. That's the way we were always taught. And I'm not sure that that's true. I'm not sure that's the right way to do it. I think that in a, re in a real way, Jesus here is saying that the, the real issue is a spiritual issue. The real issue is something that is, is something beyond the physical need that we're seeing or that we're hearing or that we're experiencing but there's a greater spiritual need that needs to be addressed. Now, in other areas, I know that's true. I know it is. Uh, there's areas in my life where uh, God used me in intercession. And I'm looking at situations that manifest a certain way in the physical realm. In other words, it, it produces a situation. It produces some kind of a barrier. It produces something that, that comes against something that God wants to do. But... I have an easy time understanding that what's really happening there isn't that this physical thing is causing a spiritual problem. I have an easy time to understand that it's really a spiritual issue that's causing the physical problem. That seems obvious to me. Even in people's lives, we I want you to think about like Jesus dealing with certain illnesses and diseases. And, and when Jesus was dealing with these illnesses and diseases, more times than you probably think, unless you've actually gone through the Gospels and highlighted 
marked, and took notes on every time Jesus heals somebody, you probably don't realize the number of times when he healed people that he actually did something in the spiritual realm to affect the physical realm. In other words, he cast out a demon or he rebuked a spirit. He did something spiritually that then affected the person, the person's physical state. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so in other words, there would be a, a man, or um, there was a the, the one instance where uh, somebody couldn't speak or hear, right? And so Jesus would cast out that spirit, the the deaf and mute spirit from the man. And then the man could see, could could uh, hear and speak. All right. So the physical problem was being caused by a spiritual issue that Jesus addressed first in order to solve the physical problem. And so I think for those type things, we can kind of get our head around that a little bit because you can read that. And if you if you you want to really make a study out of that, look through the Gospels. Look at when Jesus healed people, and look at what happened. Take some notes on it. You know, make a list one side of a piece of paper. Times that Jesus did something in the spiritual realm, either casting out a demon, rebuking a spirit, whatever it was, and then that affected the physical realm. And then look at times he just addressed the physical realm and see which one you have a longer list for. Now, I just encourage you to do it because what you'll find out is that he addresses the spiritual realm many, 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 many times. And so the same principle is playing out here in Matthew chapter 6 where he, he, he's, he's, he's speaking some facts. And the fact he speaks is he says material needs are met. That's not the issue. The issue isn't a material need. The issue is a spiritual need. And they are most important and they need to be our priority. And I'll say again, I wasn't taught that. That wasn't something somebody said to me when I was learning how to minister to people. In fact, the opposite of that was told to me. And so for me, I have to rework that in my head. I have to rework the way that I see situations. I have to put myself in a better spot to minister more effectively in situations because I have to look at it and look at the root of it, which is probably a spiritual issue, in order to see some type of a solution in the physical realm. Material needs are met. Spiritual needs are the priority. And that's what he's saying. See, life should be, or our view, should be somewhat simple. And when it's not simple, something's messed up. There is something spiritually messed up with us when we begin to see our lives more complicated than we should. There is a simplicity to our lives that God desires us to live in. And when that gets out of whack, that's when we begin to experience things like anxiety, worry, 
fear and different fears begin to crop up in our lives. That's when we find ourselves in situations where we're feeling hopeless or we're feeling angry or abandoned or we feel like nobody cares. When we begin to find ourselves in those kind of situations, we're walking away, we're moving away from the simplicity that God desires for us and God has for us. And that shows us, or that should be a warning to us, and the sooner we get the warning, the better, as we're moving away from simplicity in our lives, that should be a warning to us that something is out of whack spiritually and something needs to get fixed. And so as Jesus is warning us, he's warning believers, he's warning his disciples that we can't be self-centered. All right, well, it's it's one thing for me to say that, But the reality of it is, we become self-centered for a reason. You know, it'd be it's another thing for me to say Jesus is warning against being materialistic. Well, the real issue is that we become fixated on material things for a reason. I can say, well, Jesus tells us not to worry or have anxiety. Well, we have anxiety and we worry. There's a reason behind that. It's not as simple as me just saying, well, you shouldn't be selfish. Well, you shouldn't be selfish, but there's a reason why you're being selfish. There's more to it than it's just it sits on its own somehow and it rises up in our lives. Well, I think I'll be selfish today. It's not that like that's not what happens in our lives. The, The disciples of Jesus, the guys that were following him around, They weren't struggling with the fact that they were just innately selfish people, probably. Those things probably rose up in them for a reason and for a purpose. And there was something going on around them, something in their heart, something in their circumstance that was triggering stuff in their mind and in their spirit that caused that. I mean, they left everything to follow Jesus. Why would they deal with materialism? They had already left everything to follow after him. Why would they deal with selfishness? Why would they deal with being self-centered? Well, something would rise up. And you would see those things begin to manifest in their life. But it points us to something spiritual. And that's what really needs to be dealt with. So we've tried to deal with all of these things from... The, uh, like some some kind of perspective of self control or thought control or something, and that's that's ineffective. That is ineffective to try and deal with any of these things from that. And there's plenty, there's hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years of church history to prove that that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. We can pretend it does, and we can come up with. Ways that we can try and do it, but it doesn't work. It's not going to. The real the real issues are that we've given, been given a couple facts. One is all our material needs are met. And the second one is our spiritual needs are our priority. That's reality. That's the truth. Now. When we deviate from that, we deviate from that for a reason. There's something that goes on in our heart, something that goes on in our spirit where we, we get something mixed up. Right? 
And a lot of it has to do with those, those two things. I mean, those are two pretty simple statements. But what rose up in you? When I say material needs are met, what rises up in your mind? Anybody want to honestly tell me what rises up in your mind when I say that? Okay, could be. That's the positive side of that. Amen. Anybody else have anything else rise up in your brain? Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Right. Well, that's true, though, in a sense. Not about that. Right? Right. Well, and I would imagine, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want to cause anybody any problems or anxiety by saying this, but there might have been one or two people that thought to themselves, well, then why do I have to get up and go to work every day then? Well, right, right. I hear you. I hear you. Material needs are met. Spiritual needs are your priority. So, what happens when you begin to fixate on meeting your material needs? You become selfish, right? And you begin to worry about how much stuff you have. What do we call that? Materialism. Greed. And then, and then you get worried about it because it doesn't seem like you have enough because no matter how much you make and no matter how much stuff you accumulate, it goes somewhere, doesn't it? It disappears. It just goes somewhere. Where does it go? I don't know where it goes. Does anybody know where it went? I don't know where it went. Now I'm anxious. So I'm self-centered, I'm materialistic, I'm anxious, and now I'm worried about if I'm going to have enough stuff next month. Okay, back to the warning. <laughs> back to the warning. The statement that Jesus makes is material needs are met. Your spiritual needs are your priority. That's what he's saying. So, trusting him, trusting him in what he says, trust him in what he says, if we can trust him in what he says, then we're going to change our priorities in how we're viewing things. We're going to change our priorities in how we're going to spend the time that we have. Now, your job may be a part of how God is providing for you in your life. Good. Excellent. Right? But that's not something for you to worry about. It's not for you to worry about that. You get there, you do what you need to do, you, 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 you have a job, that's good, thank God, thank Him, He's your provider, and He provided that for you, it is not there for you to be worried about it. It's part of His provision over your life, material needs are met. Worry about that. Spiritually, however, there's some priorities you need to be looking at when it comes to your job. That's what you need to be concerned with. What's going on spiritually? What's going on with you spiritually? What's going on with the people around you spiritually? What's going on with your boss spiritually? What's happening in the spiritual realm at this thing that's already been taken care of? That's a priority. Do you see how things get mixed up? Do you see how things get backwards leading to self-centered materialism, anxiety, and worry? Because it gets messed up. This gets messed up, and then everything else circles into it and then feeds on itself and has a frenzy in your brain. That's how it works. That's the problem. 
We fall into patterns of self-protection. What do I mean by that? That means that we begin to actively seek things that make us feel secure. When we get it mixed up, and you call it whatever you want, self-centered, materialism, anxiety, where all those things Jesus warned us about, what's happening is, is that we enter into a pattern of self-protection. And once we do that, we begin to actively go after stuff that makes us feel secure. What do I mean by that? Well, protect us from pain or make us feel comfortable. All right? And that, that's different things for different people. In other words, it, when, I, when I go into a pattern of self-protection, it, my, my patterns of self-protection may be providing things for me that are a little bit different than what your patterns of self-protection provide for you. What are some examples of that? Let's say you get into this weird thing where, you know, the self-centered, materialistic, anxiety, where, in other words, those little two facts get messed up in your life, all right? You get it mixed up, you get it messed up, you got spiritual things out of whack, and you enter into this pattern of self-protection. What could that look like in somebody's life? Give me an example. What might that look like? What's that? Hermit. In other words, I'm going to stay in my house, I ain't going anywhere. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to get around people. Leave me alone. I don't want to be around. Why do you keep bothering me? How else could it look? Absolutely. All right, you just named off a bunch of things. Like, yeah, like some people will go... And when they feel like, when everything's out of whack, maybe they'll go out and they'll spend money on clothes. Because maybe they didn't have clothes when they were a kid. And so they're going to buy clothes. Because they feel better with clothes. They feel good about it. And it makes them feel like, you know, they're taken care of and they're protected and whatever else that stuff is. All right? They get comfort from that. You mentioned food. Food's another one like that. All right? And that's true for many, 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 many Many, many, many people. In fact, there's whole industries of what are called comfort foods. Yeah. At every restaurant and in every store, they have what they call comfort foods. That's because that's part of that self-protective behavior and patterns that are in people's lives. And for some people, it's stronger than other people. What's another thing people do? Drugs, escape. All kinds of escape patterns. Got the escape pattern. Drug, video games. Big time escape pattern. Video games. I can distract my brain from worry and anxiety and thinking about all this stuff by what? Taking drugs, by drinking alcohol, by playing video games, by watching television, by immersing myself into series and binge watching and binge watching movies and and whatever else, all right? These are all patterns of behavior that are self-protective. Notice I'm saying self-protective, not healthy. I'm not saying healthy. Self-protective is not healthy. There's nothing healthy about what I'm talking about. These are our solutions to what God already said is taken care of. But in the end... It leads to high cable bills. Yes, yes, it does. And so, and so, 
and maxed out credit cards and a lot of other things. Gonna go buy a car. It makes me feel good. All right. And so what I'm, yeah, it could be too. That and that's a good point too. Some people turn their self protection turns into workaholism. They become workaholics. Well, it could be, or they could be avoiding a situation at home. Or they could, they might define their worth by how much they're needed. And so they constantly create situations for themselves at work and beyond where they're needed. So they feel great about that. Somebody needs me. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's a crazy look in my eye. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> and so we feel like we're protecting ourselves from pain. And uh, it's, like I said, it kind of makes us feel, we like to believe it makes us feel more comfortable. Now, what this produces in our life, when you fall into a pattern like this, uh, most Christians, because I'm talking to you here, right here, <laughs> mainly, most of us, what this produces in our lives because the real issue here is that we have a couple facts. The facts are material needs are met, spiritual needs are the priority. Those are the facts. We get something mixed up there, right? We don't really trust fully in what God says. Something gets mixed up. It gets messed up. A trigger gets hit in our life. We go into a panic. We, whatever it is. Right? Something happens. Something happens. The alarm bell rings. In our brain, in our heart, our spirit, some alarm rings and we we go into an old pattern and things get out of whack. And but but we won't turn our back on God. Don't turn your back on God. Most I don't most of us won't do that. And so we pseudo rely on him at that point. What's what's the word pseudo mean? Yeah, but we say we rely on him, right? We have a quasi-reliance, maybe. And there might be a reliance in some areas, but not in others. A pseudo-reliance in other areas. Quasi-reliance in this area. But that's what it creates in our lives, that we we don't really fully or at all in some areas rely on God anymore. And what does that produce in our lives when we stop doing that? Now, let me stop right there. Do you understand what I said has led me to that point? Do you understand what I'm saying? It has led us to that point that something cracks in your brain, something cracks in my brain. And so we go into patterns of self-protection. We go into patterns that we're looking to make ourselves feel more secure. And so obviously in those areas, our reliance on God has diminished or disappeared. So we have a pseudo-reliance because we will tell people we're relying on God while we're working behind the scenes like a fiend trying to provide for and produce for ourselves. And then that'll manifest in a bunch of other ways. And so it leads me to that spot where we have a quasi-pseudo-reliance on God. Now then what does that look like? Well, what happens from that point is that we try to incorporate him, or we begin to try to incorporate him into our wants, our plans, 
our desires and our conveniences. Okay? So, we've got, we, we've got something out of whack. Out of whack. We start going into old patterns, making ourselves feel better. The reality of that is we're not relying on God in those areas, but we're saying we are, and so then we begin to incorporate him into what we're doing. That's messed up, and it's backwards, and it'll never lead to anything good in our lives. And we will sound super holy doing it, because you can't even talk about it. Somebody that you see this pattern... You see it going on, and I'm here to tell you, I am not accusing anybody. These are patterns that come up in my life. These are patterns that come up in every person I've ever known and ever will know. I can say that. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Every person I will know, these patterns will come up in their lives, and they're going to face this. We all do. Every single one of us faces this in our lives. And when someone tries to confront us, now, this is a personality thing. We can react in a few different ways. The way most people react isn't to say, oh, you're right, I'm not trusting God in this area of my life, so I'm going to just give this all over to Him, and I'm going to trust Him fully. Amen. Thank you for pointing that out to me. The, the way we normally react to it is to double down on our decisions and double down on what we're doing Double down on our pseudo quasi reliance of God and double down on making sure we've justified incorporating Him into our plans and into what we're doing. And we will defend that. That's bad because we're entrenching that. And when you begin to entrench something, it's harder to get rid of. Because even when you get rid of it, the pattern is still there, isn't it? Yeah, and so then you got to dig up the pattern and redo all of that so that there's no more trenches. You got to fill them in with something. You got to move some earth around. It becomes a, a much bigger job once you entrench something into your life. Bigger, and 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 there's no real reason to do it except for pride, pride, and fear, and worry and anxiety, and making ourselves more comfortable, and protecting ourselves from pain, and all the reasons that we're in that spot to begin with. So there they all are. All right. Worry, the concept of worry, this is just a little bonus thing. I was thinking about this. You think about worry. Worry changes our gaze from an unlimited God to our obvious limitations. That's what worry is. It changes our gaze from an unlimited God who can do anything, can provide anything, has every resource in the whole universe at his disposal and beyond, has every resource at his disposal. It changes our gaze from him to our obvious lack to our obvious limits. And it feeds it. Because if, if worry changes your gaze from the unlimited God to your obvious limitations, and you're looking at your obvious limitations, then you worry more. 
I'm worried. I'm worried now, and I'm really worried. I can't do that for sure. So you've not only taken your eyes off of God, but you've fixed your gaze on something that is never going to work. It's never going to meet the need. And so it perpetuates itself. Our own obvious limitations. All right. So he gets down to it. Verse 33. What's the first word of verse 33? Huh? But. All right. Everything I just said, right? Sounding all bad. Got everybody depressed. Sid's over there. Summoned Michael Jackson to himself. He don't want to hear that. So you get, so you get all the way down there. It's like, so you got all these, just all this going on. These are patterns. We all experience these patterns. They're all part of all our lives. But then we get to the first word of verse 33. Jesus. But, but, something else is going to happen here. All right. I got a different idea. All right. I got a better idea for you. Here's the problem. Here's all the problem. We just talked about the problem. I just spent 35 minutes talking about the problem. All right? And I even described the problem in like three or four different ways so that somehow it might click in your brain. All right? The first one clicked in my brain. That's always the first one I think of. So that'll let you know. All right? But then the other three were special just for you, all right? Just so something would click in your brain, hopefully. So we went through three or four things, like, that might just click in your brain to, to create, okay, there's an issue here. All right, so we got the issue. Got a problem going on here. Then we got Jesus intervening. But, in other words, here's a better idea. Here's a new idea. Here's a better idea. Here's something you should try. Something that might work. Well, it's going to work if you do it. But, then he says it. Here's what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, he says, seek first. And I want you to think about the statement there. Seeking is the key. Seeking is the key. It is active. It's active. It's something that is ongoing. Something that takes place over time and space and involves an action. Seek. Action verb. Action. It's ongoing. This is key to what he's about to say. Seek. Go about seeking what? The kingdom. Kingdom of God. All right. So, seek first. That means in the first place. Why don't you in the first place seek and go about seeking the kingdom of God? And he answers a question here. So, why do you seek in the second place? Or in the third place, the fourth place? He answers and says, all these things will be added to you. In other words, there is no second place or third place. Just in the first place, seek the kingdom of God. And then you don't have to worry about the rest of it. You don't have to be anxious about the rest of it. You don't have to be searching for the comfort food aisle in, in the supermarket. Or you don't have to be going and buying all those clothes at the big sale that you just can't pass up. Or whatever it is. Uh, 
don't need that new car. Maybe. Don't need to binge watch that show. Don't need to play that video game right now. Don't need it. See, if you if in the first place, in the first place, if you'd seek and go about seeking the kingdom of God in your life, you're probably going to find out, according to this, you're going to find out you don't need any of those other things because you're going to get it straightened out on the spiritual level, which will then affect the physical level, and then things will change in your life. But it has to be a spiritual change. It has to be. Every great change I've ever seen in a person was a spiritual change first, which manifested as a physical change. Every great change. Everything. And that's just how it goes. And and, and I, I, I know that seems so intuitive on certain things, on certain levels. Like I was explaining to you before, that's so intuitive to me when it comes to intercession, when I'm praying for people. So intuitive. So intuitive when, I, when I'm looking at situations or I'm looking at even government situations or I'm looking at situations in a city or I'm looking at situations where there's somebody and there's some organization or there's something coming against this or that or whatever it is. It's so intuitive for me to see that as a spiritual issue before I see it as a person issue or a physical issue. That's super intuitive to me. And yet there are certain things in my life I have a hard time seeing that. And I need that in those areas... And I, and I look at it and I'm like, I wonder what's going on there. What I need to do is seek in the first place, be seeking the kingdom and his righteousness, and then the rest of it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It'll be taken care of. I got to get the spiritual part right. That's my job. That's what I need to do. And so, And so as we seek first, or in the first place, begin to... Seek, and I think about that word "seek" is it's looking for. It could be waiting for. It could be preferring. All those things that are incorporated in that word "seek" it, but it's an action. We're actively doing those things. Even waiting can be active. You know, it can be active. I was just in a situation the other day where I was praying for something. And and I haven't seen anything physical from it. I'm just praying for it. Like, God, I, I mean, I'm really begging it up from God. I'm just asking him, asking him, asking him, knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. And and so I, I got to a point as I was, see, you know, just really just, just knocking it and, and asking and begging it up and all of that where God stopped me as I was in the middle of all that. So I can be quite compulsive about it. And he stopped me in the middle of it He's like, okay, so now I'm going to give you what you're asking for. Now I want you to ask me whether you should take it or not. You see, I got so busy asking for it, I didn't ask if I should ask for it before I asked for it. So now I asked for it, and he just I still haven't seen anything physically. So then I get the answer, all right, well, you're going to get this. Now you need to find out whether you're going to be able to receive it or not. You should take it or not. And that became a whole different story. That became a whole different story where now I'm actively waiting. And I asked him, and I'm going to keep asking him, and I'm actively waiting for his answer about it. 
Now, I know that sounds really weird because nothing physically has happened. In other words, if you say, well, what were you praying for, Andy? None of your business. And then you're going to say, all right, well, what's your decision going to be on it? None of your business again, all right? Well, I don't know the answer to that yet, all right? I don't know the answer to that yet. But but it's almost it's like it's like that thing I was praying for, well, that's already here. But it's not physically. Are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> it exists, but I haven't seen it yet. So now I'm already making a decision whether I'm going to take it or not. So when it appears, this is my thought on it, I'm going to know what to do, and that'll be it. I won't make an emotional decision about it. I'll make a God decision about it, because I've already known. I already know. I've already asked the questions, and here's what's going to happen. Seek first. In the first place, if you're seeking his kingdom, the rest of it, the rest of it, you don't have to worry about. So the word kingdom, let's look at a few verses here. Somebody look at Romans, uh, Romans 10 and verse 3. Somebody else look at uh, Philippians 3, 9. Romans 10, 3, Philippians 3, 9, and Romans 14, 17. Romans 10, 3, Philippians 3, 9, Romans 14, 17. No particular order. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God and keep his commandments. All right, what does that verse say to you? What does that verse say to you? Let me put it to you a different way. The word righteousness was put into there. Let me put it this way. Your material needs are met. What if you submit to that statement? What's that going to mean for your life? Yeah, yeah, right. What if you don't submit to that statement? Then what's going to happen? Anxiety, worry, and you're going to try to meet your own material needs. What did that verse say about righteousness? Want to read it again? Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So what what happened to people when it came to righteousness? And so what did they try to do? They tried to make their own righteousness. I wonder what other things are like that. I mean, think about it. What other things are like that? Because we're looking at two things here where he says, seek first kingdom as righteousness and all these things be added to you. But I wonder how many things are just like that. That's just the way God works. Here's what I'm giving you. Here's the truth. Oh, you don't believe the truth. So you're going to create your own truth. That's got to lead to some messed up stuff. Yeah, 
DVDs and all that stuff. We kept it on the sub, but it was only the golden, golden version. Or whatever, yeah. Well, well, and the bad news is we're all rich here. We're all rich. Right. So, so we have a, we have an issue. That's a real issue for us. And that's something that we really have to take into consideration when I'm going to, the last thing I'm going to ask you to do tonight is to take an inventory about your life. But that's a real issue, a camel going through the eye of a surgical needle. That's that's a real problem. I can't even get a string through the eye of a surgical needle because my eyes are bad. All right? Much less try to guide a camel through there. I can barely see the eye of a needle these days. So that creates a real issue for us. Another verse here. Somebody else. And be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. All right. What is that telling you about righteousness? Depends on faith. Where does it come from? Not from the law. Where does it come from? From him, right, in our faith. So so why is so much effort, effort devoted by people in being righteous? Well, because your material needs are met. Well, I'm going to go meet my material needs. And that's going to create anxiety and worry in my life. All right, your righteousness needs are met. You're righteous in Christ. Well, I'm going to go be righteous. I'm going to do righteous things. What's that going to create in your life? Worry and anxiety. But definitely not righteousness. You're starting to follow what I'm saying. There's a spiritual principle to this pretty clear spiritual principle that when God speaks truth and you decide something different is going on, it's going to lead to anxiety and worry in your life. It's going to lead to selfishness. It's going to lead to a lot of other things going on in your life. Definitely pride. Everything leads to pride, though. Everything we do apart from God leads to pride. Everything. Yeah. So. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's like the worry and anxiety cycle. It feeds on itself. All that feeds on itself. Another verse. I'm going to get this third one in. 
for the kingdom of God. Anybody? Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right. Which reiterates the lesson that Jesus is teaching here today. Why isn't it a matter of eating and drinking? He's already taken care of that. <laughs> Material needs are met. All right. Truth number one. Number two. Spiritual needs are the priority. Get it straight. So we're seeking, seeking the Spirit. We're seeking the kingdom. We're actively looking for, waiting on, preferring, allowing, basking in, rolling in, laughing in, crying in the things of the Spirit. Because that is the priority of our lives. And then all those other things, they don't matter. They'll get taken care of. So, We can trust him. We can trust him. And all of our lives that we try to do ourselves teach us not only can we trust him, but we also should. Because all we end up doing is worrying and filling our lives with anxiety and stuff we don't want. We can trust him. We should trust him. He wants us to trust him. And so I just want a quick inventory. I just want you to think about this. You don't have to say anything or whatever. I just want you to think about what does your life say about this? Every one of us, I mean, we got these patterns, all right? Every one of us. Some are more entrenched than others in our lives, but... I want to say, what does your life say? What is your life currently saying? What's the story your life is telling? I mean, anxiety, worry, fear, power, possessions, wealth, status, I don't know, faith. What's it saying? What's your story? And what what is that story saying? And And all that that brings us back to is the but of Jesus. But there's a better way. But I got some good news. But you can make a different decision. But I've got a better way of going about it. But you can you can decide to do this instead if you want. But you don't have to live that way. But you don't have to be anxious and worried right now. You can do something totally different if you want. And, and we begin to reprioritize our lives to reflect something else. Something more spiritual. Something that matters more. Something that's going to really change something else going on in our lives. And let it happen. Let it happen. Seek, seek. In the first place, seek. 
the kingdom, his righteousness. Let the other stuff be added to you. Just let it be added on to your account, onto who you are and all the rest of that stuff. You've got to say, the things of the Spirit mean more to me. The things of the Spirit are of more value to me. The things of the Spirit are of priority to me more than these other things. And that may manifest itself in worship. That may manifest itself in prayer. That may manifest itself in, in, in really digging in and letting God speak to you through His Word. That may manifest itself by the first thing you do when you get to work in the morning. Do you understand how that makes sense? That maybe the first thing you do when you get to work in the morning is clear the boards there, spiritually? That you give the day to God, that you say, God, use me and what you want me to do today. Don't make me the most productive little bee today. I pray you'll use me for your kingdom today. I pray you'll speak for me to people in people's lives today. I pray that I'd be open and willing and a vessel of what you want to say, the love that you want to pour out, the grace that you want to show people, the mercy or whatever it is. Or maybe it's just your day and you're saying, I'm going to just spend this day with you. And I'm going to talk to you all day, God. And I'm going to lay aside some of these other things that, you know, people are doing or whatever, and I'm just going to prioritize this day with you. All right, well, that's what your day might look like if the Spirit is more important and a priority over the material. Okay? So there should be some story that your life is telling. Well, it is telling something. You should be able to take inventory of that and, and figure out where you're at. And maybe do something different. Okay? Let the but happen. Alright? For you. Let the but happen for you. <laughs> you won't regret it. <laughs> yes, Howard. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think they can be used in a lot of different ways. You know, Jesus wasn't making an excuse here. He wasn't giving a but to make an excuse. He's saying, but things can be different. No. There it is. But you don't have to live that way if you don't want. And remember, he's talking to disciples here. He's talking to us. This wasn't some far out message to the Pharisees or something. This is to us. Our patterns, our ways of, you know, like what's happening in our lives. And there's nothing, I, and, and I don't say things like that. I don't want you to be embarrassed about it. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just like, you just don't have to live that way. Simple as that. We just don't have to live that way. And it could be, a, and, and to me, it's, a, it's, going, it's rolling back to a simplicity of life. Those of you that have ever read The Cost of Discipleship, the, the simplicity of the carefree life. That's what it is. That's what it is. And God, he didn't really 
create us to live under the kind of stress, worry, and anxiety that most people live under. That's why people are going nuts. That's why people are dying early. That's why disease is rampant in people. Right? There's a reason for that. We weren't designed for the, those kind of things. And our bodies freak out and there's all kinds of problems with it. We can't live like that. So, all I can do is say there's a better way. And I'm telling myself that when I'm telling you that. You can make a different decision. So let's pray. Father, I just say thanks for uh, just the revelation Jesus brings. And I thank you for the simplicity of that revelation. I thank you, God, that your desires for us are a lot more peaceful than what we create in our own frenzy because we just don't simply trust you. So God, tonight I, I pray that we'll just trust you that our material needs are met and we'll trust you that the most important thing are the things of the Spirit. And whatever's going to flow out of our lives, whatever's going to flow into our lives, whatever's going to flow through our lives, it's really going to come from that. And so, God, I just ask you that we can make different decisions where really the things of the Spirit are the priority of our lives. And that the story of our life reflects that. So, God, today I just say thanks for your love for us. I thank you for loving us to speak to us and desire something better for us. Because you do desire something better for us. And so, God, I, I pray that we would rise out of the anxiety and the fear and the worry and all the stuff that manifests itself because we've gone off and tried to do something that was never our business to do. So I pray for trust to rise up in our hearts, trust to rise up in our spirits, and I pray, God, that we would seek your kingdom righteousness in the first place and let all that other stuff just be added to us I give you thanks tonight ask these things in jesus name amen amen good to see everybody tonight kind of excited